You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of JaysRunCouch.com, starting off another week. I apologize for the sound of my voice right now. It's not great. You know, pretty sure I don't have a cold or flu or something, but just not sounding the best. But y'all are in luck because you don't have to listen to me talk like this for 15 to 20 minutes. No, instead you get the thrilling conclusion of the latest Locked on Jays trilogy. You get the final installment with Blue Jays play-by-play man and Sportsnet radio personality Mike Wilner sitting down for a a good length of time for this one. We are going to be focusing on the Blue Jays pitchers and since we talked after Nate Pearson made his spring training debut, There is a lot of gushing over Nate Pearson, and I'm not even sorry for it. Y'all knew what you were getting into with this one. So anyway, let me throw it to myself and Mike Wilner. Back again with Mike Wilner, desperately trying to match his Sportsnet contract MacArthur with his third episode, which technically I did do three episodes with Scott, but... I had to split the second one into two parts. So I think this counts. I think you have matched Scott MacArthur in terms of durability, Mr. Wilner. So again, thank you for taking the time to to sit here for this marathon session that that we're doing. I'm happy to do it. It's it's you, not me. You're asking <laughs> questions and we're having good conversation and there's no reason to stop. Ah, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate that. It makes it brings it brings joy to my heart. It it fills me with warmth, which is desperately needed right now. But I uh, we talked about the batters. We we went through some of them. I want to spend this this. I don't, I don't want to say final episode, but if we're making another trilogy, this is where we go, and I want to focus on the pitchers and. I, I want to start, um, so you you mentioned Nate Pearson and being at his spring training debut, and you may or may not have been a source uh, for this podcast and informing people that he's already hitting 97.99 in February and just basically looked like a god. On the mat, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm gonna get very effusive in my praise of Nate Pearson because I am just so ready for Nate Pearson to be a Blue Jay. But since you were there, since you got to view that in person, what were takeaways from from watching? Just, just I, I, almost as perfectly pitched an inning as you can get. Um, it was. I mean, it was everything you wanted. Um, it, it really was. There are so many times where you have 
this big prospect making his first appearance, first time you get to see him in a spring training game, and, and he gets his ears pinned back, um, or he struggles, can't throw strikes, and it takes a while to get his feet underneath him. Uh, there was none, none of that from Nate Pearson. He was aggressive from the get-go, and he just overwhelmed the three batters he faced, and they were all um, major leaguers or you know guys who have time in the major leagues. Yeah. He, he faced Tyler Wade was the first yeah. guy, and Tyler Wade isn't, you know, he, he's nobody's idea of a big league regular or anything like that, but he's had some success. Yeah. Miguel, and, Miguel and Duhar after that, you can't argue about success. Yeah, he's second in rookie of the year voting a couple of years ago that he didn't miss all season last year. Mike Talkman, who took everybody by surprise last year, and he just overwhelmed them all. He, he, he pumped strikes. The only prayer of contact was a little flicked foul ball. Um, and it was just, it was beautiful. I, I, I spent, you know, I was, I was like keeping one eye on Nate and one eye on the Yankee scout who was like four seamer um, for me who was flashing radar gun readings and uh, to the Yankee dugout and Aaron Boone was looking back and, and watching. So I thought that was kind of cool. So there was the radar gun. Uh, we haven't seen any radar readings yet at TD Ballpark. Apparently, they have the track man set up, but there's been an issue with it. Uh, um, so, you know, that's how I, I was. I, I was code breaking uh, <laughs> the Yankee scout and getting the 97s and 99s and the fighter at 90. Um, it was men against boys. Uh, it was it was man against boys. Um, and it was fantastic. Now, it's not always going to be like that. And he might get knocked around the second time he pitches or the third or the fourth. Um, but you could not have asked for more uh, for a guy's first outing. Absolutely. It was he he overwhelmed the three hitters that he faced. And and that's that's what I took away from it. It, it wasn't just like nibbling. He was coming right at them and they were playing. They, they couldn't find it. Eight of those nine strikes were swinging strikes. Like... He, he he was for that one inning exactly as advertised. He was he was the next holiday almost. Different, very different, right? <laughs> different because, styles, but he, yeah, you know, you know but, that feeling when you when you have a guy you can throw out there and like we have a good chance to win today because he is pitching. That's that's yeah. the kind of feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's what he's been advertised to be. I, I would argue that he was even better than advertised. But again, it's only three hitters. Um, and it was only 12 pitches. Uh, but but it was just so dominant. Uh, it was it, it's if he doesn't maybe the best thing is that he doesn't pitch again this spring so that we can just live <laughs> off that until we see him in the major leagues. But but I'm sure we'll see. Uh, maybe not plenty more of him, but we'll see a decent amount more of him for sure. Yeah, I I have to think I, I've been you know going tongue in cheek saying that you know the the battle for the fifth starter spot is only temporary, <laughs> just just essentially a placeholder for for Pearson when he when he arises from from the depths of Buffalo to claim his white, rightful spot on the throne. So. <laughs> I... I don't think that's unfair, <laughs> um, you know. And and we saw San Diego last year have Chris Paddock make the team out of spring training when everybody thought they were gonna 
slow play him and, and, you know, not necessarily service time him, but they were going to watch his innings and they wound it, they wound up watching his innings over the course of the year. There was uh, an option down season. Um, but look, I mean, I hate to think this way because I, I don't think that, that it's productive, but, you got the Yankees dropping like flies, the Red Sox trading Mookie Betts, and and not necessarily putting the white flag up, but really taking a big bite out of their chances to contend. Um, what's the harm if Nate Pearson is has a good spring and shows that he's ready? What's the harm? Bring him north. Let's go and mm. see if you can get off to that great start in April and May. And maybe put the the rest of the teams in the AL East in your rearview mirror, and build off that, and worry about resting him when it's time to worry about resting him. I I'm, I don't think we're there yet, but I think there's an argument to be made. I see. That's what I love about you, Mike, is your positivity, and I am so here for that. I would love to see Pearson just just break immediately, like. What what did I, I I forget where I saw it, but I I know in next year in a lot of people's minds is have Hyunjin Ryu start opening day and then Nate Pearson start the day after, and then you know after that Pearson can take over as the ace. But um, speaking of Ryu, he did make his spring training debut on Thursday. He pitched a couple innings, looked looked a little shaky. When you get tagged by Jake Cave, that's not. A great look, but you know what did you see out of Hyunjin Ryu today? And well, I say today because we're recording it on this day. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, um. but yeah, what what did you see out of him? Just like kind of working the rust out after you know an off season where he's more focused on getting the contract signed as opposed to maybe maybe having that full off season to focus on on himself. Uh, you know what I saw? I saw um, that I saw the Marco Estrada change up. The the, mm. the 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 heyday of Marco Estrada in fifteen and sixteen. I saw that power change up. The one where, with all um, due respect to the Houston Astros, you could tell them that it's coming, and they still <laughs> couldn't hit it. Um, that's what I saw. And, and you know, he did get tagged by Jake Cave right away. Uh, it was a four-seam fastball, and Cave smacked it in the left in the right field for a double, and then he gave up a single to Trevor Larnick, who was the Twins' first-round pick uh, in eighteen, and uh, then he just got a ground ball and a strikeout and a ground ball to get out of the inning. After he the the first ground ball, the uh, Cave was thrown out at the plate in a rundown, so the Twins had second and third, one out, and. He just carved up the next two guys like it was surgical. Um, they're, they're fine. They were rookies, and and uh, you know Brent Rooker is like the number fifteen prospect in the twin system. But the next Ted Lewis, who was the first overall pick a couple of years ago, and he just he just cut them into little tiny pieces and got out of the inning. And then he gave up the homer on another four seam fastball. He throws the fastball less than half the time. It's the cutter. It's the change. 
that are the big weapons for him, and the change was fantastic today. So uh, for a first outing, fine, no issues with it. Uh, he's n- never going to be the kind of guy who's going to Nate Pearson you. You know, they're going to dribble over fours against Hyun Jin Ryu, and there aren't going to be a lot of comfortable at-bats, period, against Nate Pearson. They do their their thing in very, very different ways. So rarely are you going to watch and just walk away being completely overwhelmed, but um, you're going to, more far more often than not, you're going to walk away and see that he only gave up one run in six and two-thirds innings or something. Yeah, and and given, you know, we had pitchers doing the exact opposite, giving up six runs in one inning, I will happily take that from Hyunjin Ryu. Very Uh, true. uh, Edwin Jackson, I don't need to know you anymore. Edwin Jackson is a lovely, lovely man. I'm, I'm sure. I I'm I'm certain he's he's salt of the earth kind of guy, but just it was it was not fun watching him last year. I'm sorry. Hey, you're not wrong. <laughs> do you need to recover from that abrupt mention of Edwin Jackson? I know I do. So why don't we take a little break and we will be right back with the conclusion of our sit down with Mike Wilner right after this message. You are locked on Blue Jays. Your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, so now that you know we have the, the two guys who are who are expected to eventually lead the rotation, I want to talk about the back end a little bit. And coming into spring training, the perception was that it was Trent Thornton, Ryan Barucki, and Shen Yamaguchi essentially fighting for that fifth slot in the rotation and Obviously, the the injury issues with Barucki popped up again very quickly, took him out of the running. He'll probably start the season in Buffalo, which, honestly, I'm quite all right with. I think that's that's good rebuilding spot for Barucki after the 2019 he had. But um, watching this competition between Yamaguchi and Thornton... Um, what have you seen so far? I, I know Yamaguchi had a rough first outing but you were quick to point out that if the umpires you know did their job it was quite possible for Yamaguchi to escape that inning without giving up any runs so I'm just wondering what I know it's only a week again small sample size but who are you favoring for that final spot I mean given it's very possible someone gets injured and they both make it. But right now, who do you have ahead of the other? I think Thornton is ahead. Um, I, I think he always was. I think he was going into camp. You know, Yamaguchi wants to start, uh, uh, and that's great. That's what you want. You want a guy who's great success as a leading high leverage reliever in Japan. Uh, and Trent Thornton, had an up and down year last year, but there were more ups than downs as a rookie who was on the team in the first place. Uh, and he showed a lot and he got better in September, uh, finished strong. And, you know, he was first out of the shoot this spring. And I think there was a bit of a message in that too. Uh, I, I think that they like what Trent Thornton can do as a starting pitcher. 
you're right. It very well may be Mook. We haven't seen Tanner Roark throw a pitch yet uh, this spring. Um, but but he's he says he's fine now and ready to go, but we don't know when he's going to pitch. Um, and somebody else could get hurt along the way. Uh, but I do think that, that assuming that Ryu, Shoemaker, Roark, Anderson are all healthy and good to go, and Shoemaker hasn't yet either, hmm. um, and assuming that Nate Pearson doesn't make the team, um, then I think Trent Thornton gets that fifth spot and that Yamaguchi is part of the setup chain to Ken Giles with Andy Bass and with Wilmer Font, Jordan Romano, uh, and then that could wind up being a pretty solid back of the bullpen. Hmm. I I did want to ask about the bullpen because all I've basically figured out from watching so far is that Jake Patrichka is definitely not going to be a part of it. Just I'm again. You got a mean streak. <laughs> Sorry, I I am slightly slightly sassy, but I you can't you can't keep if you're a ground ball pitcher you can't keep giving up hits like that you. It just does not work at the, at the major league level. So I'm I'm sorry, Jake. I wish you the best, but I'm going to be wishing you the best in Buffalo. But yeah, just I I know this is exactly the opposite of what we were talking about <laughs> at the beginning. You know, I know. Jake Pitch has pitched twice. I know. This spring. Has he pitched? I think he's pitched twice. He's pitched twice. He's given up runs in both. Yeah. And but he got a save in the first one. <laughs> Technically. Um. But, but yeah, and in the second time he pitched was that game in Clearwater that I didn't see, and he gave up a grand slam to a rookie. But, you know, when Jake Pitch was with the Blue Jays in 2018, uh, he was a perfectly cromulent reliever, and I thought he pitched <laughs> well far more often than not. And, you know, if he's your ninth reliever, I have no problem with that. Hmm. I mean, that's that's fair. And I'm guessing that's why he signed the minor league deal with Toronto, just to essentially be that guy in Buffalo who, if injuries were to rack the the Blue Jays like they usually seem to do, then yeah, he would be called upon and, and come and, as you said, pitch as cromulently as he can. I just... Yeah, and there are a few of those, right? I mean, mm. like that's why A.J. Cole is here. Justin that's Miller. That's why Filippo Mont is here that's why justin miller is here absolutely and a couple of those guys may may wind up making the team they really seem to like aj cole mm. and justin miller you know if, if you want to go on on our tiny little spring samples <laughs> um on thursday against uh, minnesota justin miller threw a four pitch inning so uh he's you know this, this is a guy who two years ago was very 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 good for the washington nationals uh, and and he strikes out a ton of people, and he's had two spring outings as well. You know, again, we're looking at the two <laughs> spring outings. He's faced six hitters. He's retired them all, uh, and he's he's got a chance. Mm. And I I did think that was a, that was a pretty under the radar signing, especially for a guy who got a fair amount of, t- of attention that 2018 season. I think he had like ten wins. Like as a reliever, I think he was seven and one. Yeah, uh, something like that. I, I knew the ERA ratio was like. Yeah, I knew the ratio was like something weird because I'm pretty sure I picked him up in fantasy that year just because of that. But yeah, he was on my team too. So there you go. 
Yeah, our um, RJ's from the couch league counts reliever wins. So, you know, I I was loading up with Tampa Bay pitchers because they all counted as reliever wins. <laughs> Ryan Yarborough was my hero. But, there you go. Um, yeah, just kind of going through the the bullpen as you laid it out. I mean, you you are going to have like Anthony Bass, Rafael Delis. Um, Wilmer Font yep. expect to be these main bridges to guys. Yep. Um, you have you Sam have, Gavilio. Yeah. Um, Thomas Pannone essentially being the only lefty that that seems ticketed to make the team at this time. Like, it's... I, I don't know. I don't know if Thomas Pannone's going to make the team. I, I'm, you know, he's he was effective out of the bullpen last year, abominable when they started him, but oh, fine yeah. out of the bullpen. But he doesn't really inspire um, a ton of confidence, I don't think. It's interesting that they felt like bringing in Mark Zepchinski was a good idea, and they've got Brian Moran here as well. So those are three guys who may be competing for the one spot, but also maybe now that we're in the era of the three batter minimum, mm. maybe you don't have a lefty in the bullpen. It's very possible. That's that's almost why I made I made one of the cardinal sins of Jay's Twitter and suggested re-signing Aaron Loop, just because his his lefty righty splits have always been pretty decent. But I I guess yeah, he always got you know he hit lefties and he got righties out. Yeah. So so again, it was it was it was not well received, but. Um, yeah, just, just Aaron Loop is a guy a lot of Blue Jays Twitter fans love to hate for some reason. I mean, there's one every year, right? And, mm. and Loop, Loop was that guy for a year and a bit. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, the Rays signed him and he's probably going to pitch in 58 games and have an ERA of 1.4 because that's what oh, yeah. happens with relievers in Tampa. Oh, yeah. And like, he, it's like the Leafs and defensemen. Honestly, like the Blue Jays, just, they find one pitcher just to ride. But thank, thankfully, hopefully, the Blue Jays will not meet the same fate as the Maple Leafs this season. Which kind of kind of brings me to uh, to the question I wanted to wrap this up. I, um, now, as as I stated, I had Scott MacArthur on last week, and his outlook was realistic in his eyes he predicted about 75 to 79 wins for this blue jays team and and when i told him that i was planning on having you on he said you were going to be far more optimistic with this team so i i don't want to put any from that way but given what you have seen of this team and and all the moves made what do you think this Blue Jays team can do in 2020? Yeah, you know, in all the time that I've known Scott, he's always sort of taken the under and I've taken the over, if you will. Um, and and I've just looked at him and thought, how can you be so pessimistic? And he's looked at me and said, how can you not? Uh, and <laughs> certainly more recently, he's been right. Um but look, here's here's how I look at it. Um, when Bo Bichette joined the team last year, or from the point at which Bo Bichette joined the team, they were a 500 team. They they were 
22 and 23 in the games he played or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's for a 95 loss team. And it's with a team with no pitching, right? You look at September and in September, the Jays played 25 games and 16 of them were against teams that went to the playoffs. Um, until the last couple of days of the year or the last day of the year clinched on the Saturday. And uh, so it was only the last game of the year. So let's say 15 games against teams fighting for playoff positioning or fighting to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And in September, the Blue Jays starting rotation was <laughs> Wilmer Font, Wilmer Font, Wilmer Font Clay Buckholtz, <laughs> yeah. uh, Trent Thorne. Pretty much. And, and you had TJ Zoich and you had Jacob Wagaspak, right? And, yeah. And Kay was that there. was the rotation. Right. And Anthony Kay, it was all rookies plus Clay Buckles. Clay Buckles, who had an ERA over eight in September. And they went 12 and 13. With Lourdes Gurriel, who might have been their best hitter, hardly playing at all in the month of September. Mm-hmm. And with all of that, they were still a 500. Now, over the winter, they went out and they got Ryu and Anderson and Roark and Shoemaker's healthy. So they will present for us on opening day, as we sit here now, a starting rotation in which every pitcher is better than the pitchers in the rotation last year when they were a 500 team over the last two months. You've got Bichette all season, Biggio all season, Vlad all season. It's very difficult for me to imagine that this is not at least a 500 team this year. Um, Boston is worse. Mm-hmm. Baltimore is Baltimore could possibly be worse, right? It's awful. The yeah. Yankees are worse, though they're still going to win 100 games, but they're worse. Um, it's very, uh, yeah, again, very difficult for me to see this team not winning. 82 to 85 games this year. I don't think that would be enough to be in the playoffs, but you never know. I mean, there aren't, you know, last year there were were so many awful teams, and that's one of the reasons why you needed 97 wins to get into the playoffs. This year, the White Sox aren't going to be as awful. The Blue Jays aren't going to be as awful. um, But, you know, the Mariners might take one of their places, and Detroit's (laughs) still going to be terrible, and all well, that. You, so the Angels could be better too. I mean, right. they don't seem they still don't seem to have started, but that lineup is scary. Yeah. So so I think that might, you know, level the playing field a little bit. I don't think an 85 win team wins the wild card, but it did three years. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that given that all the kids were together, uh, the future was here and they went out and they really, really like, re- you might not be overwhelmed by Tanner Roark and Chase Anderson and no one should be overwhelmed by Tanner Roark and Anderson. They're fine, mm-hmm. but they are so much better than what the Blue Jays were trotting out last year. It, it, again, 
Uh, I don't think it's overly optimistic to suggest 82 to 85 wins. Yeah, I was going to say, fine is definitely raising the bar on what the Blue Jays had. Huge. Hurting by, pitching. By a ton. Yeah. And, and yeah, just, I, I don't want to burst Stacy the locked on Yankees bubble, but I don't see a hundred wins for that team. Not when you're, when you're seriously giving Nick Tropiano a rotation spot, but I, I look, they had no business being as good as they were last year with everybody hurt. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Yankees being as good as they were, Gio Urshela being as good as he was, Mike Talkman being as good as he was, um, guys like that makes a real strong argument that the Yankees had some garbage cans going on too, <laughs> um, or, or however they put it together. I'm very interested to see how those guys follow up the, the breakout seasons that they had. Can they do it again? Um, especially, you know, especially now it's the same way I'm going to be watching Houston. What's Jordan Alvarez going to be like when he doesn't mm-hmm. know what's coming, you know, and, and, and other guys, uh, that the Astros have the, Teams are packing up their video rooms, and uh, you know they. Nobody wants to lose their job. No front office people want to get suspended and get fired. So I think that that there will be a chilling effect on that kind of cheating this year. And I think it, it's very difficult for me to imagine that the Yankees weren't doing it, especially when you know as as convenient it is that Carlos Beltran is held up as the guy who was like the evil genius behind everything and and had all the players cowering in fear um but the foot on came over i believe that that story where he said man you guys are so far behind what we're doing Mm. um that the yankees are continuing to do it so um you know i'm not suggesting it's just the yankees and astros and red Sox, but i'm very very interested to see especially these these teams that had all these out of nowhere guys. I watched Gio Urshela for two months. Oh yeah, as a Blue Jay in 2018. So did you? Yeah. And you know, so yeah. very interested to see <laughs> what the, what the follow up is. Yeah, there were a lot of um, a lot of curse words watching Gio Urshela in 2019. Pretty much the same ones watching him in 2018, just for entirely yeah. different reasons. Absolutely. But I. Yeah, because that's that's the thing I was I was thinking when it came to the Astros. I mean, like they're they're still predicting like a ninety eight win team, but you know, Justin Verlander's a year older, Zach Rinke's a year older, and then what else is in that rotation? It's it's I think it's going to be a lot more difficult for for the Astros to actually do something. And I, if there was anyone else in the AL West, I actually felt comfortable comfortable saying would vision. I would pick someone other than. Houston but I don't know Oakland's probably the best bet and even then you're you're hoping for a lot of young pitching there to take a step up you you really are and I don't know if they've got it in them quite yet but but you know aside from the Verlander and Grinky argument again I, I go back to Jordan Alvarez and and Alex Bregman and George Springer um, Jose Altuve and George Springer, and what are they going to be like when they don't know what's coming? Who knows? They were all all the garbage cans overturned. That's 
That's the banging yeah. in the in the dugout, the frustration that hopefully comes for the Astros, <laughs> hopefully at the hands of the Blue Jays this year as they roll towards relevancy. I will take relevancy in September. That's that's my goal, just meaningful games in the fall. That's I'm confident you'll get that. Then I I have no reason to believe that you're right on this, Mike Wilner. And <laughs> I I look forward to watching this series season unfold and listening to you as this season unfold. I'm pretty sure if someone's listening to this podcast, they know where to find. But just in case, can you tell the fine people where you can be found? Well, on the radio, more, more often than not, uh, across the Sportsnet radio network, I don't know. Um, I don't know what all the affiliates are, where where everybody is, but I know we're in Halifax. It's, it's News ninety five seven in Halifax. There you go, and I, I know we're in uh, you know Montreal and Ottawa and Vancouver on Sportsnet. Uh, oh man, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for not <laughs> knowing the Sportsnet station in Vancouver. I know it's nine sixty in Calgary. Uh, we're and we're on that. I'm I'm trying to think of it. I don't think it's like 1050 or something. I think that's No, I, I don't think it is in in uh, in Vancouver. Um Sportsnet Radio. All... That's all you have to say, really. Right. And we're all over Saskatchewan and all over Ontario and and um the Sportsnet Radio network does it's a wonderful job doing bringing Blue Jays baseball to coast to coast. To coast. And uh, on Twitter you can find me at wilderness 590 um despite the fact that you know, only like eleven percent of the of, of people really are on Twitter. Though the people who are on those eleven percent, believe ninety eight percent of the world. <laughs> um, but but you can find me there too. And uh, 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 but but the radio, baseball games on the radio, it's worth your while. It it definitely is, and again, I I appreciate you dropping by, uh, Mike, and and sharing the knowledge that you did um i'll just get my plugs in right quick as well just i i can say them pretty quick um you can follow me on twitter at a underscore j underscore andrews the underscores are in there because twitter is dumb as per usual um subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast google podcast stitcher spotify himalaya any random podcast network you can find it's gonna have locked on blue jays on it and follow the podcast at Locked On Jays and Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So if you don't like Twitter and still want to use Facebook, that's a way to get a hold of us as well. And yeah, just again, Mike Wilner, thank you so much for for taking the time, just and and sitting down and and talking with us and and just again sharing knowledge because that's you know. That's one of the main goals of this program to end and to share knowledge. So thank you for doing both on this podcast. Well, it's, it's very kind of you and, and I'm more than happy to do it. And I just, you know, I, I, I want you also for, first of all, this was, uh, I'm looking at my phone. This was an hour and a half that absolutely flew by. So <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Uh, and there aren't too many uh, podcasts or interviews or anything period that I would sit down for an hour and a half for. Um, 
but uh, but this was this was good. And, and you know, I want to also thank you for. Um, I mean, we talked about Scotty Mack a little bit today for for saving his life. I want to say, and um, and you know, and for your bravery and your outness, and and um, for going through everything that you've gone through for helping him through everything that he's been going that he through uh and and for being an important voice and an important friend and i'm you know we've interacted on twitter before you and i but i'm thrilled to finally get a chance to talk to you and um to just have been like thoroughly uh thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and and had a wonderful time and i i just think it's uh it's and i know having seen what you've what you've written and stuff that it's it's not and there are mountains to climb and i'm happy to do anything i can to make everybody's journey a little bit easier and i'm i'm beyond thrilled that you've been able to have such a positive impact on people who are important to me i i'm very i'm very touched and i'm very thankful this is an audio medium so you can't see my face right now it's it's uh it's a pretty pretty nice shade of red right now thank you so much for those kind words mike and i i appreciate that and i hope we get to talk again soon because this has been a blast and yeah i again just want to be able to do it because i like talking to people like you who are interesting and smart and you know just a good hang thank you Anytime. It's my absolute pleasure. And that brings us to the end of this episode. So once again, for everyone at the Lockdown Podcast Network and everyone at jaysrunacouch.com, I've been AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to this trilogy of podcasts or just one of the episodes. I don't know what you're doing with your life, but thank you for listening. And y'all take care.